In the last 10 years or so, I have tried different rituals of gratitude in my life. One of them is that I have a daily practice that I've adopted of reviewing the day each night before I fall asleep. And my practice is to think of things that occurred in that day that I feel thankful for. That's my practice. I usually look for about 10 things, but the number is arbitrary, it doesn't really matter. But I usually can think of 10 good things that happened to me about each day. But I think the reason it works for me is that I don't censor anything. And I think doing this kind of work, one of the keys to it is don't judge whether it's good enough. If it happens to be uh, a smile I got from someone at Schnucks, that's it, man. That's on my list. You know? If it's a leaf I saw falling from a tree that I just watched that leaf, you know, fall down, yeah. So I really think that, uh, for me at least, and what I recommend is that when you do this, you never censor anything. You just keep going. Because if you start to wonder, well, is that really good enough? Yeah. Yeah, so then you're really off track <laughs> at that point. It interrupts the energy flow. Could be just the smell of the coffee. What a good thing. So, as I said, the number 10 doesn't mean anything. If you want to try this, try thinking of three things, just like we just did in our little meditation. I suspect many of you could call to mind three things that you feel grateful for, or perhaps many more than that. So, the idea is not to get to a certain number, so that you get a little star, like going to Sunday school every week. The idea is to get our brains in the habit of appreciation. That's what this is about. It's to get our brains moving in that path of seeing beauty in the world and seeing wonderful things in the world. We're developing certain muscles, certain brain muscles, so that they get stronger. There is a lot of research that says that the practice of gratitude has measurable benefits. And I would prefer, I would be grateful actually, if you didn't check it out right now. But you can, and I'd also be grateful if you do check it out later, just Google gratitude research and just see what comes up. You'll find interesting things. Some of the things that the research suggests is that Practice of gratitude on some kind of regular basis uh, has a result of more happiness, more self-esteem, better sleep, more empathy, and a hopeful outlook. It's not that the problems of life all go away. That's not it. That's not it. But there could be a noticeable shift, and that could be a wonderful thing. So there are a lot of different ways that we could pay attention to gratitude. You can do this silent mental ritual, as I'm currently doing. You could have a journal. And actually, I did that for a number of years, and I'm thinking seriously of going back to the journal technique. 
where you write things every day that you feel grateful for. Some researchers recommend doing it once a week. If you want to try it once a week, then do that by all means. You can write letters of gratitude. You can write a letter to someone and express how grateful you are to that person. Uh, you can send that letter to that person, or you might not even send that letter. Maybe writing it is what you really want to do. You can write a letter of gratitude to someone who's no longer living. That's fine, too. So these are possibilities that you can, you can try out. There are apps for gratitude. I would be grateful if you don't pull them up right this minute. But it, I went on my uh, app store and typed in gratitude, and the apps just start coming. I mean, there's just, I don't know how many there are because I didn't go to the end. After about 20 apps, I decided I'd seen enough. And these apps do different things, too. Um, I'm not acquainted with them in detail, but I know some of them will remind you in the middle of the day. And, you know, you're sitting there feeling grouchy or something, and the app comes up. <laughs> so you might like that. You might like to do that. I encourage you uh, to try some form of gratitude practice. And, you know, this always comes up during Thanksgiving because we're, we're thinking about being thankful and the whole issue of gratitude. But it could be the start of a practice that goes beyond the holidays. And I think there's a lot to be said for that. So what's happening if we do a practice like this is that we're training our brains to see the world in a more appreciative way. We're developing that capacity. Just like if you do aerobic exercise, you're developing certain capacities. That's what's going on. All right, what if the world is not going in a beautiful way? This is a big problem about gratitude. Can be, anyway. What if it has been a bad day or a bad week or a bad year or a bad election season? You might, be, you might not be feeling great for many different reasons. These experiences are real, too, of course, and there's no point in denying those realities. So we can acknowledge that these experiences are real. That is a truth of our lives. Our losses are real. But if we wish to, we can still usually locate some experiences we feel grateful for, even in the midst of serious difficulties. The nurse who got me ready for surgery was so caring and took care of me so well. What my mother said at the funeral was so touching. It really grabbed my heart. So these experiences, even difficult experiences, if we wish to, we can locate and call to mind something beautiful. And that could be part of a gratitude practice. It doesn't mean that something difficult or even tragic occurred. It doesn't mean that at all. 
just means that we could find that dimension if we want to put some attention on it. So why should we look for these positive elements? Why not just acknowledge how messed up the world is? Why not just settle that once and for all? It's a, it's a messed up place. And it is. Well, the reason I think that it's worthwhile to practice gratitude or thankfulness is that it helps us to be a more optimistic, healthier person, and it gives us some strength to deal with the inevitable challenges of life. It helps us deal with the way the world challenges us in very serious ways sometimes. When those things happen, we want to be as strong as we possibly can be. We do not have to go looking for the challenges. We do not have to make a list of challenges. You can make one if you want to. But they'll come. We don't have to chase them. They're coming, and they have come already. What gratitude does is helps us to see the beauty in the midst of all the challenges and how to appreciate and live a life that is stronger in appreciation. If we are really in a period of deep grief, which is a real human experience, we may need extra attention in that time of deep grief. We may need assistance or a different way of uh, responding to that grief, and that's a wonderful thing, but gratitude could still be a dimension of that healing. I am in grief, but I am so grateful that my friend took me out for coffee today. I felt better after that. So, what if we're depressed about the United States of America and we think maybe that's not going so well? Many UUs have told me that they feel that way. And I will not try to talk you out of it. But even if the losses are very real, as they often are, all the more reason to protect ourselves from falling into a pit of pessimism, despair will not help us to be change agents. Like Rumi says in the poem, this is no caravan of despair. Even in the midst of troubles, whatever they may be, despair will not be our number one tool. We need to be as strong as possible in our resolve and optimism if we want to change the world. If we want life to be beautiful for everyone, then we must see the beauty in life. If we don't see the beauty in life, why are we so worried about whether others have a chance to see it if we don't even think it's there? The beauty strengthens our foundation when we want to go out and be change agents in the world. So let us not be on a caravan of despair. Let us be on a caravan of hope and strength and optimism because 
That doesn't guarantee any result, but it, it helps our odds. It helps our odds. All right, here's another big problem, one of the biggest. What about this God stuff? The song we sang this morning, the choir sang, was written in the 1500s. There was such a clarity about God in those days. Nobody was walking around saying, well, I don't think there's a God, or I think I'm an existentialist. People weren't thinking about existentialism in the 1500s. It was much more clear. So at Thanksgiving, we always have this question, well, who are we thanking? What if there's nobody there to thank? What if all these letters are just like in the post office somewhere, the cosmic post office, the dead letter office for prayers? What if that's the way it is? And I know that many of you use are skeptical about there being such a being, but I want to tell you is that there are real recipients for our gratitude available. Our friends are available. Our family members are available. Public figures we may admire, teachers we've had. You can express your gratitude to the trees and the flowers and the sunsets. You don't have to worry about whether they hear us or not. It is not primarily the recipient that gets the benefit of gratitude. It is not primarily the recipient. It's the one who offers the gratitude that gets changed. This is why, actually, uh, despite whatever theology you might have, it's clear that prayer works in the sense that it changes the one who's doing it. And there's, there's some good documentation on that. So we are the ones who get changed when we express the gratitude, primarily. Not that other people couldn't as well. If there is a God, then I would say that he or she or they do not need our praise. We are the ones that need to express the beauty of life. And we could do it, I know some people feel very comfortable thanking God and some people don't feel comfortable with that at all. It's just not the way we might look at the world. And gratitude works for both. So we just find someone else to, to address that to, or the other way to just say it is, I just appreciate this sunset. I just think it's so gorgeous. I just appreciate this mountain where we camped. I don't have to say anybody created it. I just think it's gorgeous. That'll do it. To me, at least, it seems clear that there is some kind of creativity in the universe. The universe is a creative place. The universe creates all kinds of things. It creates atoms, molecules, galaxies, planets, rivers, 
mountains, flowers, hummingbirds, human beings, ants, giraffes. It just creates all kinds of stuff. Creativity exists. We are some of its creatures and we're also some of its helpers. So we exist as a part of a giant creative process that is a given for us. The creations are everywhere around us. You just go out in those woods, there's millions of creatures out there. Millions of them. That have been created in this universe, whether there's a God running it or not. Or maybe as the deists say, God started it and then just went on vacation after that. We're swimming around in this creative process all the time. We're like cells in the body of that process. So creativity exists whether there is a God or not. So when we express gratitude, we're acknowledging that there are wonderful things that come to us from outside our individual selves. That we're connected to a reality that's greater than ourselves and we're part of something enormous. We're created and nurtured by that reality. That is real whether we use theological or secular language, either one. It really works either way. I would suggest for all of us that we not worry too much about God's existence. If such a being exists, I don't think he or she or they is worried about our belief. As a universalist, I don't think there will be any punishment of any sort. Some of us will naturally use that kind of language and some won't. You know, it depends upon what country we grew up in what kind of religious tradition we grew up in, what language we spoke, what books they had for us to read, what things took place. There are all kinds of reasons why people have a different religious point of view. I hope we can just be okay with those differences. If we spend too much time worrying about that theology, we're sort of off the track of gratitude. That's the, that's the idea I would like to offer. Can we just bring together things that we are grateful for? So here's another exercise that I do that I'll share with you. And since I am a minister, I have to preach every year about Thanksgiving. So I have to think about this every year. Do I think this is, is it really just about dinner? <laughs> And I say, well, I'm grateful for dinner. I have gratitude about that. So every year for about, I don't know, about the last five years or so, I have sat down before I try to say something about Thanksgiving, and I have written down a list, taken time, and written down a list of everything I'm grateful for in the world. And I find this a very satisfying thing to do. And it's good to have a little bit of time to do this. Not, you won't get it done in five minutes or ten. But if you want to, get on your system or get a piece of paper. I live in a different century, so I use pieces of paper. And just start writing down what you're grateful for. 
And the key to this, again, is not to censor. Don't try to decide if this deserves to be on your list. If it comes up, it does deserve to be on your list. So you just write it down. Can I write down every member of the Cubs team on my gratitude? You're damn right I can. <laughs> number one, I'm grateful, and number two, it's my list. <laughs> so you don't censor this. You don't say, oh, that's not good enough, it needs to be more poetic. You just write it down. You just write it down. So. My experience doing this is that I start writing and certain things come up and I just keep going, I keep going, and I write quite a bit longer and then there may be a pause and I think, well, maybe that's it. Well, if I just sit there for a few minutes, some more things start coming up. And so I just go back and I start writing again. Just as fast as they come up, I just write it without judging it at all. And my experience is this, this keeps going for quite a while. I don't know how, many, how much I have on the list. I'm tempted to show it to you. That's my list. That's my list. And you know what? I can sit down and come up with more, too. So I just want to share with you that this is something you can try. And... When I do this, I just seem to do this at Thanksgiving time. When I sort of eventually take a pause from that, I feel different. The world looks different. I'm in a different space. So I recommend that to you. If you want to try that, by all means do it. And if you want to tell me your experience with that, I'd love to hear it. Do not put any limit on this. Just let it go. There is a story that we celebrate this week called the First Thanksgiving. We have this beautiful picture, this hopeful picture of the pilgrims in the New World and the Native Americans sharing a harvest feast together. It's a story of peace, it's a story of the coexistence of different cultures. It's an interfaith story. I guarantee you they did not practice the same religions. And it's a story about sharing resources and everyone sharing in the bounty of the earth. There's enough for every, this is the beauty of the story. There's enough for everyone and everyone gets to come to the table. And they come in peace. Their differences don't divide them. And there's this moment, which is maybe partly mythical, since we don't, there are various versions of what actually occurred, so this is partly a mythical moment, but it shows us what we long for in this story. It's a story of what we would like the world to be like, that we would all sit down and we would just share and we would feast and we wouldn't worry about how other people were dressed or what religious observances they have or who they're thanking or not thanking. We'd just be together in this common feast. It's, it's a beautiful, mythical idea. And it's meaningful. 
Of course, if you, if you look at what happened after the time of the story of Thanksgiving, that peace just went away. If it really did exist in a, in a meaningful way, it went away quickly and developed into a long sequence of wars, tragic wars. And even today, this conflict is still going on. Standing Rock is where it's going on at the moment, where our member Gay Johnson is and our former intern Jim Parrish was. That's where it's going on right now. So this, we have not gotten to the place of thanksgiving. We're not there yet. We're still struggling to see if there's enough for everyone or whether it's okay for a few people to have enormous wealth while other people go completely hungry, including millions of children. So the legend of the first Thanksgiving stands like a dream of a peaceful world, a beautiful place, but apparently not yet attainable. At this very moment of history, the dream seems to many of us to be in grave danger. Our new wave of leaders do not seem to be interested in the Thanksgiving dream of diverse people living in peace. I hope I am wrong about that. I would be grateful to be wrong about that. So far, the signs are not encouraging. But if we want to keep moving toward that dream, that dream of a world where life is really beautiful and we share and we don't start wars and there's enough, we must not simply express our deep concerns and worries about the future. We can't just be worried. I was listening to a speaker last night, uh, Van Jones, who spoke at one of our general assemblies, uh, African-American uh, pundit on TV, an environmental activist. He's talking about Martin Luther King. He said, Martin Luther King did not say, I have a complaint. <laughs> I have a critique. That was a moment, that was an aha moment. We need the dream, not just the worries. We want to build that world. So we can't let our sense of the beauty of life be overshadowed by anyone else. The practice of gratitude expands our appreciation of the goodness of life. The preciousness of our family and friends, the heroism of justice seekers, and the sacredness of nature. Part of saving the earth is becoming aware of its intricate beauty. Because that gives us the sense of value about the earth. And that inspires us to be more diligent in our roles as, as caring keepers of the earth. So part of that struggle is seeing the beauty and not missing that. Part of defending justice is praising the champions of justice, as our community did on Friday night at the service for James Polk, who I wrote a, lit a candle for earlier. We need to praise and honor the people who have worked on the path of justice. 
and express our gratitude to them. We are thankful that you did that. And we hope that we might be able to do something too. Gratitude brings with it more hope, more optimism, more sense of not being alone, more inner strength, more love. We need to cultivate these qualities in ourselves if we're going to build the world we long for. We have to have that inner sense of the preciousness of life. We want all people to enjoy the beauty of life because that beauty lifts our spirits. So let us consciously practice this awareness. Love the world and love the people in it. Love consciously, intentionally, and inclusively. And we will sweeten our own lives and the lives of everyone around us. Happy Thanksgiving.